0: Good evening. My name is Ryan Miner. You are listening to A Minor Detail, BlogTalkRadio.com. That is AMinorDetail.com/slash/BlogTalkRadio.com. No, I'm screwing this all up. What the hell? It's been a long week. Eric Beasley is back, and he is he is sorely missed. Sorely missed.
1: Eric, I I made it in right at the buzzer. It was great. Yeah, yeah. So Eric, I thought
0: it would be appropriate to kick off our show with a little music. So I'm going to go ahead and play this.
1: Do you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry men? It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums, there is a life about to start when
0: tomorrow comes. So I'm waging... Not only a French revolution, but a musical revolution on my family, and they are currently winning. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's bad. Um, Yeah, the French elections happened today, and what do you think, Eric? Were you surprised by the outcome?
1: Um, I mean – Look, it's the French, okay? So if anything hard comes along, they just end up surrendering anyways. So, like, you know, I mean, look, the only reason that I was kind of hoping Le Pen would win is just because I feel like if Le Pen had won, it would annoy liberals more than if the other dude had won. Yeah. Well, I mean the reality – is look, France is already like a like ridiculously socialist nation. They have been for a very long man. time, okay? I mean you look at the and, – and this is important because it actually does impact US businesses, especially like Boeing. When Boeing has to compete against Airbus, and Airbus is subsidized by the French government – Boeing's at a market disadvantage. So, you know, to me, nothing's really going to change. The only difference is if Le Pen had won, then maybe the French could last for more than six months when they get invaded by one of their neighbors.
0: Well, and Le Pen also, she had wanted to ditch the euro and hold a referendum on France's EU membership. Well, I don't even, can I even, I don't even know how the hell to pronounce this guy's name. Is it Macron? Is that how you say the guy's name? I think it's Marcon. Marcon, okay.
1: You got to roll the R.
0: It's Marcon. Marcon. All right, all right. So this guy wants some cooperation between the bloc's 28 nations. Donald Trump, our president, was quick to congratulate Marcon on his election victory, saying that he looks very much forward to working with him, and then our (laughs) – Inglorious White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer said, "We congratulate him." You know all the standard beat. Oh, Hillary Clinton tweeted today. She has come out um, from her her wooded
1: compound.
0: Oh. mean um, you,
1: you, she tweeted like with like with a keyboard or like a bird.
0: Yeah. Well, no, she maybe both, but she
1: <laughs> she did say
0: that there was victory for Macron for France, the EU, and the world. So obviously Hillary Clinton was not a Marine Lapine. uh and so it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I find it most interesting that Marcon is married to a woman who's like 64. And oh,
1: oh, wait, wait, wait! Let me say it. Let me say yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. He's married to his former teacher. Oh. When he was he he was 16, and yeah. she was like in her in her 30s, and they started dating. When oh. he was 16 and she was in her 30s, it's a romance oh. meant for Washington County. It is a. <laughs> it, this is a romance waiting for Karen Harshman
0: to say, "Oh my God, I learned on Dr. Phil that the French <laughs> that the French president-elect has married to his former teacher." Call out the Army National Guard and bring in the tanks because we have a Karen Harshman situation, Cat Five on our
1: hands. So, I, 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 we should just send her to Paris, you know, and she yeah. maybe she can go to like the local cafe and scream about how terrible it is, how the French yeah. government condones sexual predators or something. Maybe we should take, maybe she could take her lawyer, I or cook with her, you know, wouldn't that be something? Oh, we, we could GoFundMe their airfare.
0: Could you imagine if we started a GoFundMe page and like by tomorrow we made like eight thousand dollars, and <laughs> that would be great. I, you know what, this is great. Um, I think that. I think it should be interesting to see what happens with France and our relationship with them. Not that we have a bad relationship, but had Le Pen won, could have had been the next French Brexit. I mean, that was sort of what was being predicted.
1: Well, I mean, that that was what she campaigned on. It was Frexit. Yeah. It was the whole idea of basically France doing the whole Brexit thing themselves. Um, so, I mean, obviously France didn't want it, so they didn't vote mm-hmm. for it. Um, you know, but I mean, she still, you know. Yes, it was a blowout, but what was was the total? I think she came in somewhere in the high 30s overall. Yeah, I think she was – it was 65-35. Okay, yeah, so so, I mean that still tells you there's still 35% of France that thinks that the European Union is a load of crap. And there's still that sort of sentiment. I mean, you know, so who knows who knows what'll happen in four years. You know, it always comes down mm. to look, if this if this Marcon does halfway decent, yeah, marcon. Sorry my my tongue got stuck on my teeth there. Um <laughs> I couldn't roll. Um but if Marcone does halfway decent, then you know wh- whatever extremist candidate comes around in five years—I believe their election cycles five years—then mm-hmm. they're going to lose. If he does terrible, mm-hmm. he's another like you know Francois Hollande or one of these other past French prime ministers. Then he, they're going to—he's going to lose terribly. So, yeah. yeah just so let, this the, guy, let the elections decide. <laughs> I agree, Eric. So this guy
0: was elected French's uh, France is the youngest head of state since uh, Napoleon. Um, and uh, they're they're saying that this he's 39 and uh, you know he was a political unknown for until three years ago and has never held elected office. And so it's going to be interesting to to watch him. could he become you know Europe's new golden boy? And it, it, you know, you know how the press, they love to they love to sort of make these grand declarations before anything happens. Um, but I'm I'm looking at some of the international press, and for the most part they've been fair. But they're they're already hailing this guy as like I don't know the next I don't know pick pick a French leader that the next
1: was someone... no the the next Obama that's how they're setting him up for you know, uh, just like yeah. Obama just like Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize when he literally got <laughs> in office so. yeah he, he yeah. hadn't even fully assumed office and he was already nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize so basically what this Marcone the... huh. do you think it's...
0: Eric, when you think if Obama looked back, and and in all seriousness, I I would imagine that he would have thought that his premature Nobel Peace Prize award was ridiculous in so many ways. I mean he really didn't do anything, and it was this committee that was set up that determined that – I mean this is even before he assumed the presidency I think or shortly thereafter.
1: He was president elect, I believe. Or he'd been elected, he'd been in office like less than two months. So, yeah, look, honestly, I think he probably looks back on it and he thinks that bombing 40 different countries over the course of eight years was peaceful, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and then changing the rules of engagement so that our soldiers in Afghanistan and Iraq end up getting killed a hell of a lot more than they did when they could actually shoot back. He probably thinks that was the right thing to do. So,. I don't think he I mean, he I know your... that,
0: I know a lot of people are compl- are complaining about Trump's foreign policy and it's certainly something that they they could complain about, but you know, they have to remember and in fairness that President Obama authorized strikes on American citizens without a warrant. And to me, that is just that is the worst possible thing that an American president can do is deny an American citizen due process of law, which they are afforded under the United States Constitution. And Obama really started this thing. He kicked it into high gear, and I know that they say, well, presidents have to make tough decisions, Eric. But you're saying you're going to take away my due process if you suspect me of committing a crime. It's like speed cameras,
1: but on a much grander scale. Well no, Ryan, it's even worse than that. It wasn't that he it wasn't just that he assassinated an American citizen with a drone strike without due process. It's that the the American citizen's 16-year-old son, who was not a terrorist, who had no extremist leanings, who had not yet who had not yet done anything illegal, was mm-hmm. also killed in the strike. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, a warrantless unjustified assassination by the United States killed a U.S. citizen, and honestly, the media was silent about it. The only coverage you see was in right-wing newspapers, and there was a letter to the editor from the son, from the grandfather, who wrote to the New York Times and said, when is Obama going to be accountable for murdering my grandson? And And silence.
0: Well, Well, we could talk about that all night, but I, you know That's for an, an entirely different show. I, I'd like to have some – I'd like to get some Cato Institute experts on the show sometime, Eric, and we can go oh, to town yes. on some serious policy. We're going to do that. I'm going to try to do that, and it would be fun. Um. Okay, so Eric, let's start out with what the rundown of the show says that our topics include. We broke a story <laughs> this week, and it was John Bellini could be running for president of the
1: United States. <laughs> I know. I saw the mm-hmm. clip from Hardball, okay, yeah. and like, you know, I I've heard a I some people have said that they think it was just a slip up. But I tell you mm-hmm. what, honestly, I don't, I don't think it was a slip up. I think if anything it was like a basically floating a balloon to see what the public opinion would be, okay? Here cause well, here's the thing. This is what everybody forgets, Ryan. Kathleen Matthews, the wife of Chris Matthews, at when that clip aired, she was the interim chair of the Maryland Democrat Party.
0: Yeah, she was elected she was, yesterday.
1: Yes. Yeah, yesterday chair. she was elected. Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously these two, Chris Matthews and Kathleen Matthews, I mean, I would imagine that they like live together and they talk to each other. Maybe <laughs> they have dinner with each other. Okay. I think so. Maybe maybe share a bedroom. I don't know. I'm just guessing here, okay. But <laughs> if Kathleen Matthews knew anything, I guarantee you she mentioned it to her husband. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, in my opinion, I think there's either it was a complete mistake and Chris Matthews completely messed up, or it was an intentional, basically media drop and kind of shows you the, the interconnected, the the incestuous nature of the Democrat party and the media.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Here's what I think. um, And I want to tell you,
0: in the in the piece that I wrote uh, that I believe I released on Wednesday or Thursday, I don't know, last week was a blur, so I can't really remember. Um, I When I was at the Democratic Summit that was held at Rocky Gap Casino Resort, um, when I was covering that for a minor detail, and I had a conversation with Doug Gansler. And so here's how I approached this conversation. And he knew at the outset, because we don't attempt to – mask our identity as far as hey i'm a blogger a political reporter i'm talking to a potential gubernatorial candidate a former gubernatorial candidate and the former attorney general and i handed i handed mr gansler my card and uh it was very pleasant conversation and so we just got to talking and i said hey are you thinking about running for governor and of course he said well you know i'm it's i'm not ruling anything out you know how politicians talk they say you know i'm uh, (laughs) <laughs> the standard the political generic. answer. Yeah, like oh, I, yeah, I'm definitely thinking about it, but I don't want to tell you. But then I said, okay, we're here in the sixth congressional district. John Delaney is, for all intents and purposes, he's he's popular among the Democrats up in Western Maryland. And so I said, well, what do you think about him running for governor? So then he kind of stepped out and said, no, he's he's John Delaney's not going to run for governor. And I'm like, oh, do you think he's going to run? For governor in 2022 and then hold on to a seat. He says, well, John's not running for Congress either. And then he's like, well, I think John should run for president. And I said, I'm like incredulous. I responded of the United States. And he's like, yeah. And uh, which was interesting. And then I was like, "Okay, well, why do you think that? And, And he didn't go into detail, Eric, but he did say just keep an eye on his announcement. Um, and then when I saw the clip on Twitter of Chris Matthews saying the same thing, I thought, hmm, okay. Um, was that a Freudian slip? Was that sort of a, a slip of the tongue? I don't think it was because he also said uh, he has an office in Iowa. How would he know that? How would he just pick randomly Maryland's 6th Congressional District, John Delaney? John Delaney? He would have to know about that.
1: There was something
0: yeah. that he would have to know.
1: Yeah, like his wife told him. <laughs> I mean, so that that's the thing. It, look, if it was any other commentator, if it was a commentator that was not married to the chairwoman of the of the Maryland Democrats, I would say that this was actually a Freudian slip, but yeah. But that that's not the case.
0: Well, there's also some speculation that um <laughs> my when we released the story, then it it got published in some other um Daily rundown pieces. It was published in uh, Lynn Lazarik's The Maryland Reporter, and then another blog, um, the, the Seven State Seven State blog. They they picked it up and they went into a little bit more in depth reporting. And I quote: Western Maryland blogger Ryan Miner had an interesting post on Congressional Di- District Six Congressman John Delaney yesterday, um, and then. Uh, This guy named Adam, who writes for Seven State, said, is this a crazy rumor or is he on to something? So then he pointed out that in 2013, Delaney visited Iowa to campaign for um, an Iraq war veteran and Democratic candidate for Congress, and then he's been – he doesn't have a leadership pact to send money to other politicians like many many members of Congress do, but um, he's made contributions to people like Patrick Murphy from Florida, Virginia Senator Mark Warner. Um, and, and a few others. And Adam also pointed out that Delaney's fundraising schedule includes at least three near-term events. One is on May 2nd. Um, it was at the time in D.C., hosted by some uh, mega lawyers. And then there's a May 18th event that's going to be held at his Capitol Hill townhouse. And then a June um, 9, like a weekend retreat is scheduled at his home in Rehoboth Beach, so, and it's like, how many houses
1: does this dude have?
0: I think mean, he has a lot.
1: I mean, he's. I think
0: <laughs> Congressman Delaney is, I believe, the sixth or fifth richest member of Congress, or oh, no, most he's up wealthy
1: to now. No, I mean, oh, he's look, he, he has he has more houses than Bernie Sanders. I mean, so like, <laughs> geez. Well, you know, I've
0: I've always I've never seen him be flashy about it. That's one thing I'll I'll give him credit. So, um, but anyway, he's holding this fundraiser. At Hotel Rehoboth, um, and then the suggested—they always put suggested on the invitations. So it's twenty-five hundred dollars for a pack suggested donation, and it's fifteen hundred dollars for a personal. So he's raising federal money. Um, but Eric, do you think this this is someone who is consistent with planning a gubernatorial campaign? He hasn't—he hasn't even opened up a state account yet to raise money for a gubernatorial campaign. What say you?
1: I mean, I think, okay. What I, I don't think he's going, he's going to wait till the last minute. Um, He's done this before. I think in 2014, if I remember right, he didn't actually officially file until pretty late in the campaign season. Um, So, and you know, I think the, the reality is, is that what, how much money was spent on the governor's race in the, in the last, in 2014, I think you're, maybe like 20, 25 million, something like that. I think, I think you're, you're right on that. Yeah. Yeah. It was in that ballpark. The reality is, is that John Delaney made that much money in interest last year. Okay. So he doesn't have to fundraise. Okay. He doesn't have to open a campaign account. He can just write a check. Okay. Or he could sell one of his, he could sell his beach house in Rehoboth. Okay. (laughs) If he wanted to. All right. And he could go run for governor off the money. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think, so he's not in a big hurry. So now for, for another candidate that, is not independently wealthy like Delaney. They're going to have to start fundraising much earlier, as in mm-hmm. like in the next four months, and to start gaining that money so they can launch a decent campaign. Um, so, like, I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't take it as a sign, as a sign of anything for Delaney to not have a campaign account yet. Do you think that
0: we are all rushing to speculation, and then the inevitable will occur, as much predicted? will occur that he'll run for governor in
1: 2018. That's what I think. This is, this is a set. Okay. Delaney, you have to look at the history. Okay. Because like, remember, politics is a long game and people have patterns. Okay. Back in 2014, Delaney teased the idea of trying to run for governor. Okay. And that was like in January, uh, January 2014 very like right at the beginning of that election year and he did that because he was trying to raise his profile the theory being if you raise your profile within the state then you'll get Democrats to both donate and volunteer for you that was Mm -hmm. his working theory so he could just be doing this to tease and raise his national profile so that he can get more donations for when he does run for governor or for when he runs for Congress
0: okay so It's interesting that if he's not running for Congress, that would be something because you've had several candidates on the Democratic side already express interest. They're beginning to open up accounts. In fact, a minor detail, we were the first out the gate to report that state delegate from District 15 in in the Maryland House delegates, Aruna Miller, she had – Filed on May fourth, a statement of organization, which is an FEC form two. She's gonna that mm-hmm. that allows her to raise money. So she's out the gate. Bill Frick, um, another, the, the House Majority Leader, is already out the gate raising or I guess it, opening a campaign account to raise money.
1: So uh, th- Andrew Duck ha- also um, up here from up here in yeah. Brunswick. Um, he's, he, is, he has an exploratory committee. Okay, so you were in Brunswick. You know Andrew
0: Duck. And in fact, I mentioned to Andrew Duck at the Western Maryland Democratic Summit. I said, you know okay. a really good friend of mine um, and co-host and co-editor of Minor Detail, Eric Beasley.
1: And he sort of like – was like, yeah, I know who he is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, yeah, I know it's, that guy. Yeah, it's a, it's a love-hate relationship. Uh, um, Duck and I have some common uh, military background I guess is the best way to put it. Oh, is he military? Yes, he was I believe um, 20, over 20 years military. I believe he got out as a captain. Um, basically, a bunch of the people that I worked with, like when I was in Savannah and deployed, uh, also had worked with back then Lieutenant or Captain Duck at the time. So we kind of have some uh, similar backgrounds, if you will. Um, it was funny because when I told him what my, my job was in the Army, he actually ended up giving me a big hug and said, I love you guys. You saved hmm. you saved my career so many times. Um, okay. but uh, so like, nice. so that, that's the thing. With look, I you know, I, I get a lot of flack for this from people. Like, I I don't think Duck is a bad person. Okay, no. I I, he I like nice him. Guy. i he, he's I think he's a nice guy. He's a he's a, he's a he's a liberal loon. Okay, when it comes to his politics, I like, ple- I pretty <laughs> okay. much disagree with him on just about everything. Okay, but you know, like, look, honestly, I'd rather have somebody like him than Delaney just for the simple fact of he's not this uber elite rich guy that is running around complaining about how uber elite rich guys are ruining the country. Um, You know, at least Duck is, has a little bit of consistency. You know, it it just irks me to know when when a, when a millionaire complains about how, about the rich, about rich people. So
0: Um, I look at Andrew Duck, who is currently lining up to, to run for Congress. Exploratory has already held a, I guess a a a meeting to discuss his potential candidacy, and I think it was Urbana a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I'm sad he didn't invite me. Actually,
0: yeah, I didn't. Well, (laughs) he put the invitation on Facebook. So, all right. So, Duck, who lives up, does he live in the city of Brunswick, or does he live on the cusp of Brunswick? I'm not. I don't know where he lives.
1: Oh no, he's actually like in the city. I actually I actually hit his door when I was uh, campaigning for council. Um I didn't know I didn't realize like where he lived, but yeah, he's like in the actual city. So he'd be one of the few candidates that actually lives in the 6th district that runs for right. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um so is Duck is is he a formidable candidate? And and I think the answer is you have to look to the path when he ran against Roscoe Bartlett two other times. I think it was in 06 and maybe 12 or no I'm sorry 08 I can't remember the exact dates but he ran twice and he was defeated by Roscoe Bartlett but that was before, but that was still while the 6th congressional district made sense and it when it wasn't yes. totally gerrymandered because they you know drew the lines way down in Montgomery County which makes it it virtually impossible for a Republican to win the district so mm-hmm.
1: well um, on look Duck's path to victory is basically on he's not going to get there as a progressive, honestly there's other candidates like Irina Miller um, have much more solid progressive credentials. And so, you know, basically the Bernie Sanders, progressive socialist Marxist wing of the Democrat party is going to get behind her or somebody like her Um, ducks path to victory is the leftover union voters that didn't switch to Republican because of Trump. And so basically he's going to have, you know, a a good comparison. His strategy is going to look a lot like, um, uh, Baker strategy just on the, in the opposite party. Hmm. Okay. Appealing to that, that working class, um, you know, your middle income like Democrats um, mm-hmm. the ones that still like actually have to have a real job and aren't like some fancy lawyer or something. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, and I, I'm not saying that Terry, Terry Baker and, and Andrew Duck are completely different, you know, different political parties, different political philosophies, but I bet it's it, Duck's campaign is going to look a lot like that. It's going to be a little more like homey, you know, like down to earth, like you know, like like a <laughs> wearing your suspenders kind of thing, suspenders and flannel um, versus well, but like you're not something like Bill Frick.
0: Okay, so you're not expecting Andrew Duck to raise a whole lot of money, but he's going to have some grassroots, and I already see some people lining up behind him, namely folks up in Western Maryland. That know Duck, he's a known entity. He's run a couple times before. But then you have these new guys that are that are storming into this race who, you know, in fairness, don't live inside of the district, like Majority Leader Bill Frick, who is a young and aspiring candidate. And then you have Roger Mano, who's a state senator from, I believe, District 19. And then you have Aruna it's Miller.
1: It's actually funny, Ryan. Just so you know, Roger Mano, um, a, a source told me that he was up here at a Frederick County Democrat Central Committee meeting. I'm sure he was. So, that would he was tell me, down last Sunday yeah so he's he's traveling around what will be the sixth district
0: uh-huh he, I mean it's it's true and so is you know so is Bill Frick and uh, all these Democrats and we cannot mention we cannot exit the show without mentioning the 500 pound elephant um, of this race and that is David Trone who ran for the eighth congressional district in 2016. Lost to Jamie Raskin, um, spent a lot of money, and by a lot, I mean 12 to $13 million of his own money. But Crone, who's a very wealthy man, much like Delaney, who owns a store called Tonal Wine and More, there's, there's, you've probably seen them all over the place. But Eric, if he jumps into this race, he's going to do what he did in the 8th District, I assume, and just drop a whole lot of money. He's going to... He's litter,
1: litter our entire county with campaign signs
0: <laughs> and put them <laughs> in places where they don't belong. Yeah, no, I, maybe not. I think he's learned his lesson because I it didn't. I didn't mention that to him when I met him because I didn't want to start off on the front foot because I'd never met the man before. But I did meet him at the Western Maryland Democratic Summit and I had an opportunity to talk to him. And it was sort of interesting, Eric, because he flatly said, "Yes, if Do- John Delaney runs for governor or doesn't." Run for Congress. I'm definitely going to jump into this because he's also considering running for. Oh, get you guessed it, Montgomery County Executive. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of candidates that are going to run for that uh, on the Democratic side. But Trone is just aching to run for something. And should he get into this race, he's going to drop a lot of money into it. But could some of these other progressive guys and gals like? Bill Frick and Mano and Aruna Miller could they drop a bunch of money? I mean, could they raise some money but not be able to compete with Trone? But a lot of people in Trone's own party, in fairness, they dislike him. They they're not a big fan of him.
1: Well, yeah, what tr- this is, what Tron reminds me of is somebody who got so rich that they have no idea what to do with their free time. So like you know, some rich people they like, like they go and they and well not like. Uh, Yes, like Trump. Okay, some people get really rich and they <laughs> decide to start going on TV shows, you know, like Shark Tank, or uh-huh. they create a TV show like The Apprentice. You know, some of them buy five million dollar gold plated Lamborghinis. Okay, some mm. of them learn how to skydive. Some of them decide that I want to go into space, so I'm going to write a check to the Russians, so they'll take me up on their Soyuz capsule. Apparently Trone decided with all of his extra money, instead of getting a hobby, like making cabinets or building birdhouses or something, he decided he's going to become a politician. I mean, so look, I think you're going to see Trone around for a long time. I kind of hope he just wins Montgomery County Executive so that he's kind of like there. He has something to do. He's not bored anymore. Like, I I think that'd be great.
0: Well, we know who's we know someone who's not going to win the Montgomery County Executive seat, but. I'm not really interested in naming him tonight. So
1: Yeah, it's uh, – there's – well, there's two of them, and they're both reversible.
0: <laughs> well, then they kind of look at you – know, well, I, I don't even want to uh, – we've, we've, we've developed a policy on a minor detail moving forward is, is that we're going to not even mention this person. He doesn't exist because he just – he can't win, so we just – we're not.
1: Ryan, I, I can't hear you. What are you saying? It sounds mm. like you're saying Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: well, pretty much. Anyway, um, back to Delaney. I want to mention one more thing about him. I emailed I emailed Delaney's um, communications director by by the name of um, Will McDonald, and he he's a nice guy. Um, he, you know, he we only really corresponded by email, but he gets right back to me when I email him. So I said this to him on Thursday, May 4th, and I said um, basically he gave a quote on Wednesday the day before saying, Congressman Laney does not have an office in Iowa or any other place than Maryland and Washington, D.C. McDonald said in an email, as he said before, the congressman and his wife plan to make an announcement regarding a possible run for Maryland's governor by the end of June. So we all know about that date, Monday, June 26th, and I guess we'll be covering that. And then I wrote back – You know,
1: Ryan, said, hold on, Ryan, that's the first time I've ever seen that in writing because okay. he hasn't actually said that on the record that he – that that announcement had to do with running for governor. I just thought you so, should know that.
0: Well, that's true, and I wrote back. I said, while the statement is seemingly explicit, from a journalist – And bloggers' perspective, could this statement be open to interpretations? The congressman's wife, April, a former Republican-turned-Democrat, moderate politically, and if I remember correctly, she served on a committee entitled Women for Bush, would be a formidable candidate and Democratic challenger against Republican Governor Larry Hogan. The possibility of April running for elected office is swirling among the Maryland political establishment any possibility that April Delaney is caring for a potential gubernatorial bid, any potential that that Representative Delaney would run for governor, and Mrs. Delaney would run to fill his seat in Congress. I said, I appreciate any statement you may have to offer. So I could see like the wheels turning and Will being like, Jesus Christ, why do I have to answer this freaking guy's question? Just get off of it. <laughs> um, so he sent me this shortly thereafter. My statement was meant – was only meant to convey that John is consulting with April on whether or not running for governor is the best decision for him. I wouldn't read into anything other than that. The answer to both of your scenarios is no, and he capitalized no. And no. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, that that's um that's that. So, President Delaney, you know what is it's it's really funny in fact Yesterday I went up we Kim and I went up to the Kentlands to where they were having this parade. We knew it was happening, and I figured I would run into some some politician that would give me a story and we got a cup of coffee at starbucks um, and yeah, I fed the man I know going into starbucks yeah,
1: hi, why why'd you go to hipsterbucks? okay? The best right. coffee comes from black Sorry. rifle coffee.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, we walked up. I saw Congressman Delaney because he was in the parade and he was with some of his volunteers and other f- and and folks. And I walked up. I said, "Hey, John, how are you doing?" And, and in fact, and then he walked back over. He talked to somebody. and He walked. I said, "Hey, I said, how you doing, Mr. President?" And he <laughs> and so he he got a got a great laugh out of that. And he's like, ah, "Ah." And I'm like, "Okay." I said, "I said, I know you're being coy with your intentions, but come on, give me something here." Um, and you know what, Eric? I was I was really tough. Both of us were on John Delaney during the last election, and when he ran against Hoover Um But he's a sport about it. It wasn't personal. We, you know, we called out our disagreements and made reference to them, and that's part of a political campaign. Um, yeah, that's kind of what he, you're
1: supposed to do. Like.
0: Yeah, a, <laughs> yeah, but. John John Delaney, I think, is a stand-up guy. He really is. Um, I think he's a good man, and whatever he decides to do, if he decides to run against Larry Hogan, it's, it's going to be a challenge because our governor is very popular. But if there's anybody that a Democrat should probably run, it would be John Delaney. Um, so, no, I completely I don't disagree.
1: Know. I think Ben okay. Jones needs to be the Democrat nominee.
0: Why? Because Larry could beat him?
1: Yeah, because he has absolutely zero elect- electoral. He, he's never been the executive of anything. Okay, all he's done is basically rabble roused and race baited over the last like tw- you know however many years. Um, mm-hmm. He's like he has no resume or credentials. All he has is you know this. He's like a dude that sat down and read Marx one time and then decided like yeah I'm gonna go and I'm gonna talk about that. <laughs> you know like so he's to me he's the perfect Democrat candidate.
0: Well. We'll see. Um, so that that brings us to Ami Hover. I wrote a piece yesterday. Um, she looks like she's gearing up, Eric. She looks like she's ready for round two. She's got her walking shoes all 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 picked out. So I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, if I remember, I think she burned through two walking shoes during the last campaign. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, but uh, I, don't, I mean, look, I think that, uh, look, I think Ami's great, and I think that, you know, the re- if you actually take like five seconds to look at the electoral data. Okay. The reality is, is that any Republican winning a congressional seat that is in this gerrymandered like districts are, during a presidential election is like, is extremely difficult. Okay. It's not going to be very common. Okay. You're, and if you see it, you're not going to see it until, uh, until 2022, just in my opinion, or the successful lawsuit goes through to undo the gerrymander. Um, but I mean look, if she you know, it's one of those things if she wants to run like great, okay, mm-hmm. if she's got another race in her, then that's I hats off to her. I mean, it may not be the decision that I would make when if I was in her position, but you know what it's it's her money, it's her life, you know, like we were saying who earlier we can, you know, well
0: i mean but, who who else would i mean i and I don't mean to say that facetiously, but i I mean who else would be able to step up and wage a respectable campaign like I.
1: See, that's the exact problem, Ryan, is that when it comes to federal office out here in the 6th District, you have a very, you don't have, there is no bench. Okay. We don't, we we just, we just don't have one. Okay. You could, there's, there's some people that I could, I could see doing it. But I don't think any of them would be successful. OK, so first off, obviously, you have to mention Michael Huff, you know, state senator from District 4. He's always looking to get into some higher office, but he's not going to run a race that he's going to lose, especially he's not going to run a race when he would have to lose his state Senate seat. So like he so he's not going to run for Congress. Um, not until after the gerrymander. Um, Terry Baker might take another swing at it. But um, then he would have to give up his
0: commissioner seat knowing that yes. his commissioner's seat is a 100% deadlock. He mm-hmm. will undoubtedly and unequivocally be reelected to the Washington County Board of County Commissioners should he run again. So
1: yeah. well, why and – that? And, and Ryan, that's the problem with the Republican bench in the Sixth District: is all of them are elected and have an election coming up in 2018. So if they throw their hat into the congressional race, they will lose their previous seat.
0: Is okay. vote, what about vote? He's he's not for re-election, and I think he's going to run again, right?
1: I don't know. Um, I mean, look, I, I've heard rumors um, and and musings about people not even sure if he's going to run for delegate again. Um, so you know, I. I, I don't know. Again, the bench is so shallow, okay? Mm-hmm. We don't have – I don't I, – I mean, look, I, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm also a realist. I don't think that we have – that there is a legit sixth-district Republican challenger outside of Amy Hober.
0: I think okay. she's the only
1: one that even has some chance of doing it. Everybody else, I don't – So I've asked around, and I've asked
0: people way up in Western Maryland as far as Cumberland. I said, all right, who do we – who do we have up there? And there's a few potential people that would be candidates but still not at the same level or caliber that Ami Hober is in terms of money and name recognition. So you have Jake Shade, um, who is a Allegheny County commissioner. He's doing like, a fantastic job.
1: Right. He's not even old enough to run for Congress yet.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. You've got to be 25.
1: Yeah, Jake's <laughs> he's, like, like, he's great. Don't get me wrong. But wasn't he elected at like 19?
0: No, no, no. That's way too – I think he was elected at 22 or 23, so he might be right on the border.
1: Okay, he might have just turned 25, but so he's not – And that's not, fine
0: because yeah. <laughs> Jake will be a state delegate or congressman some point in his life. I know that. Um, the second person is is Jason Buckle, who is a delegate in District 1 – I think it's 1B. Um, yeah, I think it's 1B. And then there's Mike McKay. Um, who's way up there? That he lives in Cumberland, but he has a mega portion of Washington County. But none of these guys can raise money like Ollie could. And um, and then you go down. I'm hearing rumblings that Neil Parent could 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 run or is considering it. And I don't I don't know because he would have to give up his his delegate seat. And you know Neil Parrott's entire identity is being an elected official, so I can't imagine him giving up a surefire bet to be reelected um, in Washington county but you know it, it could if, if he goes up against Ami in a Republican primary, that would be I think Ami would that would have A t- Ami would have a tough cho- a chance against him because you know uh, he's very tea party and that's the way that the Republicans are trending in,
1: in western Maryland. Um, Yeah. You look at how many votes came out of Washington County. I mean, for in the in the 2016 primary, you know, there's a reason why Terry Baker came in second, you know, because that's that's the reality is the Republican voters, you know, in in areas like this do lean further right than in a a district like, you know, um, the third congressional district, for example. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what you're going to see. But that's why, I mean, see, all these people that were listening—they're already elected. I don't see any of them yeah. like stepping out from that, like basically their solid Republican district, especially while the Maryland GOP is trying to get that veto-proof majority in the House and the Senate.
0: Yeah, I saw that article. Like,
1: yeah, I don't. So, I, I'd be very. Sh- I mean, it's. See, and he, now here's the, this, this is what will tell me. Okay. So the Maryland GOP is trying to actually play a long game strategy when it comes to getting people elected. Okay. You're not going to flip every seat tomorrow, but so there's your first start, get a veto proof majority. Then you start building on that. Maybe get a Republican attorney general in there. Okay. Um, you know, honestly leave the yeah. controller cause Francho's great. Okay. Leave him yeah. there. Um, but like, you know, so you start kind of chipping away at the machine and it's a long game. It's a it's a 20 year plan. It's not a two year plan. The problem in politics is a lot of people only look to the next election. They don't think, you know, like like we're saying, like, okay, if Mike McKay or who's the who's the delegate out in Washington County that's elected um, in, I believe, the district that covers Hagerstown, the actual city.
0: Oh, um, yeah. So that's Brett Wilson. Brett Wilson would be a great congressman, but I think Brett Wilson has his sights set on being becoming an appointed judge.
1: Yeah, but so like Brett Wilson, for example, okay, Hagerstown is a – I mean that – really, that's a Democrat area. Okay. Mm-hmm. That leans Democrat. Now, sure. if Brett Wilson steps away, now you have two. you know, basically there's, it's an open seat. Democrats are going to go after that. The Republican Party cannot afford to lose any of the seats that we have right now in this next election if they want to get the veto proof majority. So in, in the long run, it would make more sense for somebody like Brett Wilson to stay there for another four years and wait till the gerrymanders over. Once mm-hmm. the gerrymanders is over, let's be honest. Okay, this, there's going to be 80 candidates filed to run in every congressional district in this state because they'll actually be competitive, and that will be the yeah. Republican primary. I mean literally that's what – we'll have to have a show every night to talk to each one of that'll
0: them. That would be fun. We would, okay. we would do a good job because you know as well as I do, Eric, there are there is no other media outlet um other than a minor detail who covered the sixth congressional district race as much as we did and as good as we did and I'm proud of our our coverage. I am. I really am. We we covered it through and through. And we even give mm-hmm. that crazy guy from Frederick County who claimed to knock on ten thousand doors, Chris Mason, remember him? Um, <laughs> yes.
1: He's disappeared like he, by the way. In case you're wondering yeah, Well
0: that's probably a good thing. Maybe he went off the grid. Um you know he's I remember when he said something he tweeted like I wouldn't allow a Muslim to come over to my house. I might want to, because uh, I'd be afraid for them around my children. And like, we're just like reading these tweets, and we're like, "Jeez, why is this guy running for Congress? This guy's a nut." But then you get him, then he surprises at the Frederick County Republican debate where he was the only guy to come out and say, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, this whole Snowden thing. I think the rest of these guys are wrong, and I don't, you know, I don't think Snowden is as bad as everybody thinks he is."
1: Um, Didn't he say he was going to end the Fed too? I seem to remember yeah, a lot of like like Infowars libertarian type streaks in him.
0: Yeah, I think he was. Um, I think Alex Jones was talking to him while he was at the debate, so he you know he had like little Alex Jones connector in his ear. But <laughs> anyway, um, Hober runs. Um, depending on who who goes after her, like you said, Eric, um, they, they would someone would have to give up their seat now there could be somebody who comes out of the woodwork that has a lot of money that's an unknown but then again Ami has been out on the campaign circuit she's tweeting she's updating her facebook she's she's got to do round 2 differently than she did round 1 but you know we're not here to give her strategy we're that's that's not we're, we're just analyzing whether or not she's going to run again and i think that if she does decide to run again she would have a leg up over the competition um so yeah, I I I really like Ami. I think she would be a promising candidate. It's just Eric. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard to win this district until the gerrymandering is is no longer, and the the, the redistrict district comes back in, in its original form. And there's yeah. But then Eric, if they start including like Westminster into the district, or like they used to. And you're going to see guys like Justin Reedy, who would be a great candidate, jump into that. You're going to see a lot of these state senators, <laughs> um, and that's that. So, yeah,
1: right. I think it would be great. It would be great to actually have like real federal elections in the state of Maryland.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, <laughs> you go to the, Eric, did you happen to go to Washington County's lovely Lincoln Reagan Day dinner uh, this past Wednesday at the Fountainhead Country Club?
1: Oh no, no! I had, I, I mean, look, I had the radio. I had the Republican Club board meeting. Like, I don't, I don't really go to swanky things.
0: Swanky, swanky Republican events with our favorite group of Republicans in Washington County. That's our favorite group of Republicans. <laughs>
1: well, well they're, I, they definitely have a lot of undying love for you, Ryan. That's for sure.
0: Well, remember when you came to one of their meetings and they. They pretended like you were some Soviet spy, and
1: yeah, – was that was <laughs> – like, I, I wish to... I had known the secret handshake. That was my no. only disappointment was I needed to know the secret handshake to get into the public meeting that was open to all registered Republicans.
0: Yeah, it was kind of weird. Anyway, remember the remember, – um, well, we should say this, and I say this reverently. Um, m- remember Commissioner Spong? He has since passed away, and he passed mm-hmm. on. From cancer and you know, any politics aside, um, we haven't mentioned it on this show, but we are deeply sorry that that had happened. We we're sorry just for his family and our condolences. And I, I think that in in another lifetime he was a very decent teacher and, and did some good things. So we're, we're really sorry, but. To, I, I can't mention this story in context without mentioning Commissioner Spong. When he resigned from the Board of County Commissioners in January of 2016, the Washington County Republican Central Committee was tasked once again to select Spong's replacement on the Board of County Commissioners, and they chose a guy by the name of Wayne Kiefer. He's a relatively young guy. Um, he lives way up in Hancock, and he was a big part of the community in Hancock, so now that Karen Harshman has been gloriously thrown off the Board of Education and all that, that we've talked it and belabored for the last six or seven months, there's this committee that is formed, Eric, that is tasked with selecting a, a new nominee and – or a new Board of Education member. So there's six people from the community that are chosen and the state delegates get to choose someone to appoint to the committee. The state senators get to choose someone. The board of education gets to choose. Then there's somebody from the business community, from the education community. And then there's um, somebody else. So there's six people in total that are all appointed to, to make a recommendation to the County commissioners. And they have to recommend three names for which the County commissioners will choose from to become a board of education member. So, you know, it's, it doesn't seem too complicated, but um, so far, Board of Education member Peter Bickford, who's newly elected from last year, was appointed. This Tea Party guy named uh, Tom Berry. And then there's another guy named Tom Newcomer, who's a pretty prominent guy in the business uh, community in Washington County, very reasonable and respected. Anyway, so Wayne Kiefer is rumored to be strongly pushing this woman named Linda Murray. Who ran last time and lost? She came in, I believe it was sixth place out of seven. And she was part of the uh, Karen Harshman, Mike Guessford, uh, Melissa Williams, basically the voting block of yeah. the board that we just don't understand and we can't make sense of. And See, when I, know, she's a-
1: look, we, we need to come up with a different name for her because my mother in law is named Linda Murray. And so, hmm. like, this is going to get really confusing. Okay. Because so, every time I hear Linda Murray, I keep thinking, like, wait, my mother in law lives in Tulare County. She doesn't live in Washington County.
0: Oh, jeez. So let's just call her Linda M.
1: <laughs> okay. So, Linda M., a
0: retired paraprofessional, you know, she was backed by the teachers' union, which is, hush, <laughs> I, I hate to say this, Eric, is a big red flag for me. If you're backed by the <laughs> teachers' union, then I just, you know, I'm not saying that everyone who's backed by the teachers' union is. Is a bad candidate, but I prefer people who aren't backed by the teachers union.
1: No, no, I, no, no, no. I look any candidate that is backed by the teachers union, I would never vote for, hands mm. down, because if the the that means the union is paying money to get you to elect people who will then give them more money in salaries, wages, benefits, that, and so that they the sit down
0: at the negotiating table with and ultimately mm-hmm. negotiate. Um
1: yep. So, like, how could can go you? Into that. Ha- yeah, but how is that ethical? If a union is funding a candidate for Board of Ed, and the Board of Ed candidate is the one who negotiates their contract, like if it yep. was any other level of government, it would be illegal, and people would go to I jail agree. for it. But it, for I some agree. reason, it's okay in education.
0: But it's okay in education because if you take issue and you have qualms with the Teachers Association, automatically you're assumed to be anti-public education, and that's a real problem. I have a real problem with that. Nonetheless… This county commissioner, Wayne Keeper, who was appointed to the Board of County Commissioners um, after um, Woody Spong resigned, is said to be strongly pushing this very hardcore Republican, Linda Murray, Linda M., um, to take Karen Harshman's position. So I asked him about it. A bunch of people, Eric, had sent me messages from the actual Lincoln Day dinner telling me, hey, Ryan, you should look into this. You got – Kiefer and Baker pushing these two. You know, this, this candidate, he's going around and saying she would be a great choice. She's my pick. People are telling me this left and right. So, you know, I put my journalist hat on and emailed the commissioner and said, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. Are you pushing her? So he sends me this long email back and it was very pleasant and nice. Um, you know, it was a lot of fluff, but basically he says, Your sources are wrong. I didn't do that. Um I'm lots of people contact me. And I'm just telling you that I'm not doing that, and uh, you know I'm I'm you know I'm not pushing this candidate. So I don't know what's true, what isn't true, but we reported on it. So if Linda Murray is ultimately chosen as the candidate to replace Karen Harshman, then we're gonna ask we're gonna ask some more questions because you can't do this. Well, I'm gonna promise you this before the committee even makes its three recommendations. I mean, come on, Eric, can't do that. Can't tell a candidate that they're gonna can't tell a potential you know applicant that they're they're already gonna get the seat before they get it.
1: It's ridiculous uh you know just to be fair, that happens all the time. That happened a heck of a lot in uh january twenty fifteen if I recall <laughs> correctly when uh when there was a mass exodus of elected delegates and central committees who were appointing their replacements. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not um, saying that it's right. I'm just saying that it happened. That it basically has happened every single time any Republican has selected a replacement for what? a an elected representative.
0: All right. I don't even. I get Harper. I don't want to talk about Washington County anymore because every time I talk about Washington County, I just it makes me mad. They the, the Republicans up there are screwy. They're very secretive, and it's you know you have and they look to people like Seth Wilson. Come on. <laughs> Seth Wilson who reported <laughs> us who's our best friend, who's a vociferous reader of a minor detail when he's not reporting us to ICANN.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know it, you know, right, let me tell you what. This is what bugs me the most about that. I worked for like a year and a half in anti fraud. Okay. I know. And I would report like so I'd come across an actual fraudulent website. Okay. It was a website that was stealing people's bank credentials for like USAA or you know, some somebody like that, okay. Some big bank, right? Yeah. I would report that stuff to GoDaddy, and it would sit there for 45 days before GoDaddy would do anything <laughs> about it. Okay, it took them like 10 minutes to complain about like you know about some picture, and yeah. that was really covered Ten... under fair use. Yeah. yeah, but it's like it's like that's the absurdity. So it's like apparently GoDaddy cares more about a picture than they care about people's like literal lo- financial livelihoods being stolen. I just thought it was well, hilarious.
0: GoDaddy right. sucks.
1: We I highly advise that. everybody uses you know um, Emmanuel Technology Consulting. Um, Emmanuel
0: Technology Consulting.
1: <laughs> yes, ETC Maryland. There you guys to go to for web hosting. Forget GoDaddy.
0: That's right. And that's who we use and we love our good friend William and uh he takes good care of us. Eric, what the hell's going on in Frederick County?
1: Oh man, so I've man there's been I've got some I've got some good stuff coming up here very shortly. So uh um let's see what I can I can give a little preview. Um so Easy. FCPS Frederick County Public Schools just put out a trans a they're a draft transgender policy for the school district. Okay. And so now how, there's there's good, bad, and there's ugly. And it really depends on what your political affiliation is, depending on where you fall on some of this stuff. Um, some of the things included in there is basically that um, students can determine their own gender identity. They can uh-huh. use whatever restroom or locker room is in alignment with their gender identity. Um, the school is not allowed to question their gender identity, um, nor is the school allowed to disclose it. Um, one of the things they are including in there is apparently on attendance rosters, there will be a column that is basically your preferred pronoun. Um, apparently some precious snowflakes got mad because on the roster, they had one gender name and they had decided to be the other gender. And Mm. so they took this as some sort of like personal insult when a substitute teacher called them by the wrong gender um so like okay like give me a break guys okay it was it was absurd but here's the one that i think is going to be the most controversial um there is a provision in this policy which basically allows um allows a student to participate in the sport and or athletic events of their gender identity without any sort of contingencies on that Mm-hmm. so basically if you have a 16 year old male who decides, you know what, I was in my heart, I'm a female, so I'm going to become a female. They can transition. They can, they can basically tell the school, I identify as a woman. Now I want to be called she that's cool. But if that person also happens to be say like a lacrosse player, they can basically walk right onto the women's lacrosse team and they can play and there's nothing that FCPS can do about it. Um, I, a, a, a friend of mine who is well-versed in these sorts of issues, um, the comparison that she made was she said that um, if you're allowing students to go and participate in in these sorts of sports, it's the equivalent of allowing a woman who is on anabolic steroids to participate in the sport uh, because there is a distinct hormonal and biological advantage to testosterone. Um, hmm. It's You know, like um, I was having this conversation with Elise and I had actually, I'd thought about it. I started thinking like, okay, I, I, you know, of course there's female bodybuilding. That's the thing. But then I started thinking, has there ever been an instance of a woman who was like fighting with men? So of course my mind first went back to the late nineties and China, the wrestler. Okay. (laughs) I looked up China in her peak was six foot tall, 180 pounds. Okay. Now compare that to the rock who, when he was wrestling, you know, Dwayne Johnson, when he was wrestling, he's six foot five uh, two seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Okay. There, there's a, and, and you can look at pictures of both of them and you can tell there's a distinct difference in muscle mass here. Um, so my, the friend of mine who I consulted on this, um, I think that's a part of the, of the policy that's going to be met with the most resistance. Um, basically what you're allowing is that, I mean, at this point you might as well just have like, co-ed sports not even have a a women's sport specifically just have if you want to play lacrosse here's your lacrosse team Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's the policy that is the most dangerous Um, I don't really care what sports somebody plays but I do care if somebody is essentially using the chemical equivalent of anabolic steroids to gain performance to be able to Mm -hmm. play better and you know I so I think I think you'll see a lot of outrage. I think that's what parents will be mad about. Honestly, the rest of that stuff, I look Ryan. We have this conversation all the time. Like, I don't give a shit. I mean, like I I really really can't. Yeah. I really can't express how little I care the gender of somebody who is in the shower stall next to me or the bathroom Mm -hmm. stall or changing next to me. I really don't care. Now, if you walk into a male locker room and the hardware doesn't match the software, just don't get mad that I might have snuck a peek, okay? Because I was mm. more likely just surprised, <laughs> okay? That's probably what happened.
0: Not a, I, I don't think it would be unfair or uncharitable to say that that's a fair reaction. I mean, I... I but look, I mean, these these situations, we're, we're always talking about bathrooms and the gender stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's exhausting. And I got in trouble because I... I remember I was talking to, uh, I was having a Facebook discussion on our very good friend of the show, David Moon, who we really like, and because we think that he does some great work, and this person pointed out that why aren't there more transgendered candidates running for Maryland governor or Maryland or public office in Maryland? And they're sort of this this person this 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 lady, and not to assume her gender, but i I will Shame um, on you. yeah and and she's like, well, you know, why aren't more transgender people? why can't they do this why and it's like, well, they can, nobody's stopping somebody who is transgendered, and then she said, well, there's a structural problem why these candidates aren't running, and it's not you know look, if you are transgendered and you want to run for a public office and you want your number one issue to be bringing awareness to people who, who are transgendered and all the issues that are – that go along with um, that, uh, we, we –
1: Eric and I would say go for it. And, you yeah, know, but we, Ryan, it, we've already had – we've had transgender folks run for office. Yeah. Um, what's her name? The Warrior Princess, the former Navy SEAL, ran against uh, I believe Steny Hoyer in District Five oh, yeah. right, in the Democrat right in primary, right here in Maryland. Okay. Yeah. Um, you have Brianna Wu, who she's crazy. Don't get me wrong. Brianna Wu who is she is the woman behind the whole Gamergate controversy. She's also transgender. Um, She's running for political office up in Massachusetts. Um, I only know that because a friend of mine is thinking about running against her. Um, But like, Oh, really? Yes. Now here's, here's the reality. Okay. Look, you know,
0: I just LB, oh, okay.
1: LBGT people in the United States are estimated at about 3.8%. That's gay, okay. lesbian, bisexual, transgender, okay? Transgender people as an individual What's category. What's the Q mean? Oh, so I learned this a few months uh, like a month ago. I don't ago. know what that means. Q means queer, which is kind of like okay. a catch-all. It's kind of like saying a, um, um, obstruction of justice. It's like a catch-all, so that no matter what you think you are, you fall into the queer category.
0: Okay, but isn't that? I would think that someone who is called queer, um, if they are trans, you know, if I would think that anybody in that community who is called queer, wouldn't it be offensive, Eric? I mean, maybe, maybe not, but I, I, I would, I, I would think so.
1: Like when I was growing up, it was, but you know, stuff changes all the time. Like, look, I, I, I mean, and and I don't say this to be like me or anything. I remember a time when tranny was appropriate. Okay. Yeah. I remember a time when saying the whole transsexual was appropriate. Apparently that's not either. Okay. Apparently saying transgender is now offensive. You're supposed to say trans only. Okay. Like I can't keep up with what people are getting offended about people saying. That's that's what happened. I, I said, I, I think
0: I wrote transsexual or, transgendered or whatnot, and I was immediately corrected in that um, I, I was told that it was very offensive what I said, but I said it out of ignorance, Eric, because I don't know, and I'm trying to learn because I, I'm not trying to offend anybody. It's just that these uh, terms are quickly evolving. They're changing, and um, to be honest with you, I'm just not quite up on it as some are. And, um, yeah, well,
1: and, and no. they're nebulous. It depends on who you talk to. Okay? What is like- gender? What does that mean? Is that, that means um, that you're are not we cisgendered. Trans. Yes, we're cisgendered, Brian. Okay. So we okay. we have so our hardware and our software match. Okay. Okay. That's, so that's what it means.
0: I was born in, uh, I, I am born male. You were born male, and we yes. both identify and um adopt the male gender. So we're yes. cisgender. Okay. Yes. So, so basically, are, basically,
1: it means that your 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 genes and your gender your your genetics and your gender identity match.
0: We but. But is it politically incorrect, Eric, to now call it – well, I identify as a man? Is that incorrect to say according to some of the experts on gender? I don't know.
1: See, this is, this is where it gets so confusing and really annoying because, see, again, okay. like you know, it's – there's like, – like I said, I guarantee you, you can find somebody on Tumblr that is offended by saying – by somebody saying that I identify as a man. Okay. okay, and they'll call it the patriarchy or some shit. So you doing what looking I, on Tumblr. <laughs> I just know that that's where all the social justice warriors hang out. So like I just see the memes of pictures of Tumblr posts. But like that's that this is how I manage it, Ryan, is I basically just say, Look, this is what I've been told, like, this is what seems to be okay. And if you don't think it's okay, give me a damn good reason for it. Otherwise I'm gonna keep saying it. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, cry me a river after that, like, because I'm sorry, I'm not going to keep up with your every two months. This is offensive, you know, like the okay sign or all this stuff that people keep making up. Like it's a rapidly, you know, language is changing rapidly. And I have much more, look, I have enough time keeping up with the newest like computer vulnerabilities that come up. Okay. I'm not going to keep up with your gender identity names. Yeah, like I, so I'm I'm sorry, but I'm going to. That's a little bit more important than keeping up about whether or not trans saying trans is is offensive or not. Okay, so and if it offends you, then I'm sorry, but that's not that's not. I'm just trying to. I'm putting a label that I've been told is the that I thought was the right label. Well,
0: and people who listen to this show and know us and have read what we have written on a minor detail that listen to you on third 4 and well, yeah. anybody who knows us, number 1, they should they already understand or there's some pretextual clues that these guys are ferocious libertarians. We believe that we don't we believe that it's none of anybody's business to interfere in your personal relationship. And a lot of these arguments that are I, – I think are sort of just so far gone from another generation is people are still arguing over gay marriage. Well, it's settled. We – if you want to get married and you're a man and you want to marry another man, um, I, I just – I don't care. I don't I don't yeah. think about it, but we – go for it. And so – and if yeah, you were I – mean-
1: it, 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 yeah. And so, Ryan, and, and here's the other problem just to kind of circle back to this thread that you were in, okay? Yeah. Transgender itself, okay, varies between the states, obviously. Na- nationwide, there are approximately 0.6% of the U.S. population is transgender. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, 06 Point six percent. Yes. Okay. Now, of course, that fluctuates by state. I'm actually referencing the New York Times right here. So you can't say that this is like this isn't the like the Yes. Yeah, the failing New York Times. OK. Fake news, New York Times. Um, but like so, for example, they cite in here that there are some states that have as low point three percent and there's some states that are high as 0.75 percent. Interestingly, or 0.78 percent. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, Georgia has the third highest percentage of transgender of people that identify as transgender. I thought that was kind Georgia. Of, that's kind of Georgia, yes. Like Hawaii is number one, California is number two, and then Georgia is number three. Wow. Okay. Like um, you know, I don't get that. There's actually a higher percentage of transgender people living in Texas than in New York. Hmm. Um.
0: Yeah. That's, but so
1: no. so yeah okay. but so there's there's so there is a range okay so we are talking roughly like half a percent. So the thing is is that you're not going to see a lot of people there Uh-oh. there's not going to be a ton of people. Yeah, you know who that is. It's 9 it's yeah. 907. You know what that means. 919. Mm. Okay. Um but uh, so I mean the, the percentage of people in Maryland are going to be somewhere between in there so you know, so we can just say half a percent sounds about right like that's a tiny fraction of the population that's why you don't have like fifty transgender candidates running for office
0: All right, Eric so let me ask you this question and we uh, if if anybody wants to run for office my my thing is go run for office if you if you want to run for office nobody is stopping you but it's also not my job to go out and be a candidate recruiter. I'm horrible at that. You know, I, I <laughs> yeah, really <you> are. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't want to go out and recruit anybody. I just want to go out and talk about you if you're thinking about running, and so we can bring you on the show, and then we can get all the best coverage. Um, so I don't want I I don't want anybody to think like, well. Oh, well, simply because he's not going out and finding transgendered people to run for office means that, therefore, he doesn't support transgendered people. I think if you want to run for office and you are whatever gender you identify with, run. If we believe in your ideas and you support the Constitution, the principles of liberty, and you believe that you are tired like we are of these endless, ridiculous wars, and you believe in civil liberties, and you believe in civil rights, and you believe that taxation is a form of theft, which it is. And if you believe that you can spend your money better than government can spend it, then we are going to be a friend. You will be a friend of a minor detail, and we will bring you yeah. on and bring you on, and we will promote your candidacy, and we will give you money, and we will go out and knock doors. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, but I, you know, I just – I don't know. I think this, this is an argument that if we had some of my – and you know them, Eric, some of our very staunch people, feminist friends… And I'm not saying that in in a negative way, but we would be corrected 10 times over because I guess we're ignorant to some of that, and they would say we're insensitive, but we're not. We're just trying to better understand all of these terms and the changing terminology that goes along with it, and that's – it's very confusing, and and I I say that as a post-millennial. All of this is very confusing.
1: Yeah, like Ryan, that's why about two months ago I had my friend Trish actually call in to Thoric for. Um, Trish is a, she honestly, she's way more anarchist than you or I ever could be. Okay. Mm. She's like solid libertarian, um, you know, borderline um, an- anarcho capitalist in a lot of ways. Um, and she also happens to be transgender. And because I told her, I was like, look, I want to, people need to be able to ask these questions. People need to be able to ask, okay, what the hell does this mean? And like, you know, because we can't ask the question anymore. We're not allowed, you know, and we went through the whole LGBTQIA like acronym. Okay. What all of them meant, what, and what it actually said. And it was like, because we can't have that conversation. If we ask a question, then we're labeled as, you know, homophobic, transphobic, whatever. It's like, no, like, and, and and that's because of the state of free speech in this country. If you ask a question for greater understanding or for a dialogue, you just get shouted down.
0: Well, I'm naturally in, intrigued by everything in the world, and I like to ask a lot of questions, and you like to ask questions, and so I think that if it's important – that I think it's important that we ask these questions and we do it in a respectful way. But if I ask the wrong question and I don't know that I'm wrong in asking it, please don't tell me that I am, that I am insensitive to uh, your position or that I am politically incorrect because sometimes I just don't know the right way to ask the question. And I think that's fair, yeah.
1: right? Well, exactly. And and Ryan, this is this is the problem with with social justice warriors just across the board. Okay, <laughs> social. They want to sit yeah, they want to sit here and complain about the words that you use and the phrases that right. you use. Okay? Here's what they should actually be complaining about. Did you know that LGBT youth have the same suicide rate as veterans do? I didn't. Exactly. I didn't know that. Okay. Because so sjws don't want to talk about it they want to talk about the language they want to talk about how you fit in they want to talk about all this other sort of stuff they don't actually want to talk about the issues that are affecting these people's lives okay they're more interested in you know oh well, you know they need to be able to use whatever bathroom they want okay how about instead we talk about the fact that so many of them feel so desperate that they go and commit suicide okay how about right. we talk about the services and how we can intervene on that instead of complaining about these you know little like a word okay you know how many how like you look heck I, I i looked it up because I, w- I was trying to get the stats for the hood college article ryan okay transgender you or lbgt youth have the exact same suicide rate as veterans transgender military veterans have three times the suicide rate of veterans okay Mm-hmm. That is, it is astronomical. Transgender veterans have the same suicide rate, roughly, as people with schizophrenia. Okay, wow. that is, and that's a that is a plague that you don't hear these SJWs talking about. You don't see memes about how we need to, you know, reach out to our transgender veteran friends and make sure that they're okay and make sure that they're safe. You're not going to hear about it because it doesn't fit their narrative. Okay, they want to talk about essentially what they're doing. This is why people call it cultural Marxism, because they're not focused on the real issues they're focused on these like like niche like you know obnoxious issues of what word do you use or this or that okay because it would actually take work and effort to address the real issues in these communities okay right. it would take work to address the transgender youth who get kicked out of their houses and are living on the streets because their parents don't accept them okay yep. that takes real work and so you know because of laziness and incompetency they just sweep right so yeah Rant well, over <laughs>
0: i think that's a, i think that's a good place to uh <laughs> to call it quits tonight um eric it's always a pleasure um we said we wouldn't go too far over and we didn't um but we'll be here next week we got a lot to cover we'll keep you we'll keep you in the loop on a minor detail we're going to be talking next week i believe with our friend scott from Howard County we're going to unwind the Howard County Board of Education mess, the resignations of, the, I think, the superintendent and all of that good stuff, and we'll keep an eye on some political races. I don't know. There's a lot that could happen in a week, and we get this mm-hmm. thing done, and we put out the podcast. So listen to the podcast on Stitcher Radio. You can find us on iTunes. And um, Eric, do you have anything else?
1: Well, of course, Ryan,
0: taxation is theft. Taxation is theft. So with that, um, happy French Election Day, and uh, we'll see you next week. It could be eight. It could be nine. It doesn't matter. This is always turned into a podcast, and you can listen to it when you're jogging, when you're at the gym, or doing something else that's very un- – or so maybe more unsavory activities like drinking lots of beer or whatnot. But nonetheless, I hope that you have a great week. Thanks for listening as always, my name is, er- my name is Ryan Miner. You're with Eric Beasley. Find us on the web at com. Have a good night.
1: News, commentary, gossip delivered with a libertarian twist.
0: I don't know what the hell is going on with this radio, but I just want to curse. So I'm going to go ahead and end the show this evening without the theme. So thank you for listening. Have a good one.